When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody help in any way. But now those days are gone, and I'm not so self-assured. Now I know I need him like I've never done before. Jesus, somebody in the house right here. Hey! You see, I used to sing that song in the 60s, and uh, some of you were not even in the fallopian tube then. But, but uh, And my brother and I used to sing that song together. Now, when I sat on the front row, look, the one thing you must understand about me, I come very, very prepared Got all my notes written out, spent hours and hours. So that gives me the liberty to trust the Holy Spirit just to step in and ambush us at any time that he wants. You want to check out in the scriptures how many times God interrupted people when they were speaking. Because at the end of the day, this is Father's house. Come on, somebody say that. <laughs> And I'm sat there and the Lord said, before you say anything, there's a cry, that cry, I know it's a secular song. I mean, you know, you never thought you'd listen to the psalmist uh, Lennon and McCartney coming to church tonight, but I love stealing stuff from the devil and just wrapping it up and you know what I'm saying? And, and that song, since when I first heard that version, it really touched my heart. And for me, you know, <laughs> I've heard all, you know, the the sermons and the series on how to pray and the praying and the praying and the blessed and the put the there and the praying and interceding and intercede. Do you know what? Sometimes it's just, help. Help me, Jesus. Come on, somebody. And that cry, that cry, I, I felt going up in a particular area. And there are people here tonight and you have family members. You have brothers and sisters husbands and wives, and you've witnessed to them and you've lived Jesus before them and they still haven't come to faith yet and you're a little bit concerned. And this cry, and I just heard this cry going up on the front row. And to encourage you, let me say my, when I became a Christian, my brother and I went our separate ways. He carried on singing, became a very big pop star in Canada, had a number of 
uh, number one hits, had his own TV show. But unfortunately, he got sort of into the sordid world of cocaine and stuff and alcohol and the whole thing, ended up losing everything. Long story short, he ends up singing in a band in Thailand in a, in a whorehouse, um, you know, singing three hours a night and his liver packed in and he was dying. And you know, like, you know, you, when you witness the family, it's the hardest thing, isn't it? You know, you put scriptures up on the toilet door. You, they know what you're trying to do, you know what I mean? And so, do you know, sometimes they pray with you just to shut you up, right? So I did all that with my brother and, you know, but I still felt, Lord, I want to be sure. And so I went, I, I went down, I, I, I flew down to Thailand. He just had a couple of weeks to live. He was in a hospital and uh, I went down to the club. It was, a, <laughs> and I was there with him and, and then I, 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 this is when I prayed. The Lord brought this scripture to me, which I'm bringing to you tonight. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he send a laborer into the harvest. I said, Lord, why are you? And I said, okay. I said, Lord, Robbie's got friends down here. I mean, God knows what type of friends they are, but Lord, would you find somebody? Lord, I pray, send a laborer to my brother to lead him to you. I just prayed that prayer. The following day, I'm walking down the streets of Phuket in Thailand. I mean, nobody knows me there. Then this guy stops me and he says, hey, are you Robbie's brother? I saw you in the club last night with him. I said, yes, I am. He said, you're a reverend, right? I said, yeah, I'm a reverend. And he said, well, my name is Aaron and I'm a backslidden Christian and I've been living in Thailand and I've been living a lifestyle I'm ashamed of. And uh, I said, why are you telling me this? And he said, well, last night, a voice spoke to me in my bedroom. I haven't heard that voice for a while, but I knew who it was. And Jesus said to me, go down to the hospital and tell Robbie about me. I'm his friend. And he said, I said, wow. And he said, I was so shocked. He said, I had to ring my pastor in America to ask him how to do it. So I rang my pastor. He told me how to do it. And he said, last night I went down to the hospital and my, and I held your brother's hand. And I said, Robbie, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And he squeezed my hand. And he said, Ray, I led him to Jesus last night. By he said the sinner's prayer by squeezing my hand. Come on, somebody. Squeezing my hand. And two weeks later, he died. But I know I'm going to see my brother again in heaven. Because God answered my prayer. Stand with me right now. Stand. Everybody stand right now. Who are you believing for? God is the God of miracles. And he's going to answer that prayer tonight. And just for a few moments, before we do anything else, before I preach for the next three hours, what I'm going to do is this, right? We're going to call on, we're going to ask the Lord of the harvest to send a laborer to that person you are believing to get saved. I don't know where they are right now. There's somebody here believing for somebody. They're in prison right now. But you know what? There is no prison door that can stop the word of God reaching that. Uh, 
So Father, in the name of Jesus, there are people lifting up their hands right now and they are written on their hands are the people that they are believing to get saved. Husbands, children, cousins, aunties, grandparents, whatever it is. <clears throat> now, come on, begin to name them. Come on, just name them. Say, Lord, come on, give me some help here. Call their names out just where you're standing. You may want to whisper them, but say, Lord, send a laborer. Come on, together. Lord, send a laborer. Come on again. Lord, one more time. Lord, Father, we ask you to do this in the name of Jesus. We don't know how you're going to do it, but we trust and believe that you will send somebody to reach our, our friends and family in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big clap right here. Come on, somebody. Well, what a morning we had this morning. How many of you were here this morning? Just give us a wave. Fabulous. Welcome back. And, um, I talked this morning about living a life with a contented heart. And if, you know, uh, many studies have found out that in our technological age with Instagram and Facebook, we are the most connected generation, but the most lonely. And there's still an emptiness. There's still a discontentment. In fact, they say Facebook is actually sort of working against itself. It's designed to communicate, uh, to, uh, to connect people together. But there's a sense of, well, you know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and you know, I think the greatest gift, the, the, the greatest gift and the greatest desire that people want, particularly believers, is to live a life when they get up in the morning, every morning, and even though hell is breaking all around you, we have this supernatural peace that passes understanding. Some of you worry because you're not worrying. And we need to get to a place. Come on, how many of you would love to live a life like that? Amen, all of us. And this morning, for me, Paul the Apostle said, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. This is something you learn. So I'm 73 years of age. I've been around a bit and I've learned a few things, particularly in this area. And for me, there, I mentioned this morning, there are three aspects of God's character. We have to have marinated in our lives if we are to live a contented life. First one, we only dealt with one this morning. You need to have a revelation of the mercy of God in your life because that will help you with a failed past. We need to have a revelation of his faithfulness because that will help you deal with a, with a confusing present. We may deal with that tonight, but let me just check on this one. I know it seemed, it seems like Christianity 101, but we still need to get it. And it's this, we need a fresh revelation of the unconditional love of God for us. Man, because when you have a revelation of the unconditional love of God, do you know what it does for me? What it did for me? It'll help you with the fear for the future. 
particularly Christians who are afraid of losing their salvation. When I lived, I was raised in a church, you know, I got, I, I, I got, I, well, anyway, so I, there's so much stuff going on. <laughs> I'm not normal. Please. Anyway, so, so I, I was in the church the first 10 years of my Christian life. They, you know, they said, Jesus loves you unconditionally. And he's forgiven you all your sins. And I, I get saved. And then they says, but you've got to be careful. Because you may commit that one sin. And, and that one sin, you never know. That you may, and, that, and then all that, you're going to lose everything. And you're going to go to hell anyway. Well, what a great way to live. Come on, somebody. I thought, I'm happier smoking dope than living like this. Waking up every morning afraid, is this the day I will lose my salvation? And then I lived with that revelation, uh, with that feeling, that fear, until God gave me a revelation one night in a prayer meeting from this verse. Let me just read this verse to you, okay? It's in, um, it's in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Wow, I'm looking pretty good on the screen there. Well, watch this. Look, it says here. Watch this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, you may think, Ray, you've got revelation. Yeah, listen, uh, th this is what I saw. There were two words in there that really stood out for me. And they, were bo they both had nautical implications. The first one is anchor. And the second one was forerunner. It says Jesus is our forerunner. So I checked it out. And I, I realized that a forerunner, um, in those days, when a ship used to come into harbor, sometimes the harbor was uh, too small to negotiate the large ship. So there was a guy on the ship, and he was called the forerunner. So he would jump in a small boat with the anchor, and he'd row ashore, and he'd anchor the ship on the shore, and then slowly... Uh, the ship would, would, would be winched in little by little by little until they reached the shore. Jesus is our forerunner. And watch this. Now, God showed me something amazing. Let me illustrate this. Uh, Vince, could you come give, uh, Vince is going to be Jesus tonight. Could you give him a big clap right here? Awesome. Give me this end here. Okay. This is what I saw. Okay. So. Watch this. Um, so Jesus came into the world, died, paid for our sins, past, present, and future. Done. All done. Paid the price, went back behind the veil into the very presence of God as our forerunner. Do you get the picture? And he says, anybody that believes this will be connected to me forever. So here I was, a 19-year-old sex symbol. <laughs> what? What? I'm offended. 
I'm offended by you laughing at me. How dare you? Okay, I'll leave that bit out. Okay, I'll leave it out. So here I am, 19 years old. I'm in a rock band, dope smoking, womanizing sex. I think, and anyway, I had no religious background. Don't talk to me about God. I mean, nobody in my family was religious. I'd never been to church. I went to Sunday school once or twice and I'd heard this. Thought, irrelevant. Party! Anyway, so when all the parties are over, when all the drugs had worn off, I had to admit I'm going to bed at night with this big hole in my life, thinking, who am I? Where? You know, usual stuff. But I blocked it out. And then in the middle of this searching, a film came to our our village, and the film was called The Greatest Story Ever Told. Classic film about the life of Jesus. I thought it was a Western. I, I honestly did. So I paid the money, went in, and I realized it was a religious, religious film. I thought, they've conned me here. I thought it was a Western. Where's Clint Eastwood? What's going on? Anyway, I paid the money, and I sat there, and I began to watch this man act out the life of Jesus, and this became more real. The gospel, the death of Jesus. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit goes to the cinema. He will go anywhere where Jesus is lifted up, whether it be in a play, a song. And right there in the cinema, the Holy Ghost ambushed me. And he made Jesus real to me in the cinema. And he said, Ray, he is the end of your search. So do you know what I did? I believed. Yeah. Yeah. Alibaba! Watch, watch. I didn't repent. Because you can't repent until you believe. The Bible says we are dead in sin. How can a dead man repent? Even repentance is a gift from Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. I believed. Now watch, I believed. So now I'm in the world, but connected to another one. My forerunner already has gone ahead of me. Now, what happens day by day? His windshield be in. Come on. Come on, you gotta get. But watch. So I'm going great, and then I sin. Mm-mm-mm. I sin. And I think, and then I sit under this teaching. That's the sin. You've now lost your salvation. So I get up and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I tried my best. I did my best. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? I guess that's it. And I try to walk away. I try to walk away. I make a decision to walk away. But I feel a tug from another place. I feel something tugging me and holding me. It's my forerunner that's gone behind the veil into the presence of Jesus. And so now, so now, I'm beginning to serve Jesus, not out of fear, but out of love. And then I keep going, then I sin again. Oh, 20 years serving Jesus, the devil says, you should know better. 
And, and I get up and I convince this is it now. Surely God's had enough of me. He's had enough of my sin and my failure, so I decide to walk away. And with tears in my eyes, that's when I realize nothing can separate me from the love of God. Come on, somebody, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Come on, give it up for Jesus, somebody. Give him praise in the house. No? Are we doing good for time? We've got another two hours yet. It's fantastic. Are you okay for tonight? Come on, are you happy? So, so you know, I could keep you here for hours on that, but you, you have to have your heart marinated in the unconditional love of God. And the second one, I'm only dealing with two tonight. You need to have a revelation. We sang it this morning. We sang it tonight. We quote it as if it's like matter of fact, but let it sink in. We need a revelation of the absolute total faithfulness of God toward us. The completion of your destiny is not dependent upon your faithfulness to God. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how many days you fast. I don't care if you know the Bible from back to front. I don't care if you've won 17,000 million people to Jesus. Listen, it's not your faithfulness. Your destiny is not dependent upon your faithfulness to God, but his faithfulness towards you. And the one scripture, the one scripture, I mean, it, you need to meditate on the scripture for the next year, every day, quote it. It's my, one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians chapter one, verse six. And I'm going to read it in the amplified version. And it's, it, it's, it's words that were spoken by the apostle Paul. And he starts off like this. I am convinced. And he says, not just convinced, I am absolutely, totally confident of this one thing. And if you've met somebody who's convinced about something, you can't move them. When you've met somebody who's confident and convinced about something, he says, I'm convinced and sure of this very thing. Then he explains the very thing that he has no doubt about. That he, not me, the focus is not on me. If the focus is on me, I will always live with insecurity. I am convinced and totally confident of this one thing that he, come on, somebody say amen, that he, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus right up to the time of his returning, he will perfect it and he will develop it and he will complete it. Five words in that verse, listen, concerning your salvation, listen, he began it, he will continue it, he will develop it, he will perfect it, and in Jesus' name, he will complete it. You need... I'm talking about contentment here. There are so many Christians that live insecure with your stuff. 
And it's understandable because when life hits, when tragedy hits, man, I look over my life, I, I've made some pretty bad decisions. Not like some of you, you're all perfect, aren't you? I've sinned consciously, I've sinned unconsciously. I've decided to give up. Four years ago, I shared this morning, I, made, I, I, I was done. I decided to give up. I decided I can't do it. I decided <laughs> I've lied. I've manipulated to protect my reputation. I have failed relationally. My faithfulness to God has been inconsistent and flawed at its best. But I'm still here. Because one thing has remained constant in my life, and it is this. When I am faithless, he remains faithful. And again, I'll say it. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. I remember sharing this here maybe years ago, but it, it's, it feels absolutely right for, for, for somebody here tonight. Listen. I don't know how many times, and I'm sure Pastor George will, you know, having been in the ministry for so many years, will agree with me. I don't know how many times I've been counted out. But you know what? His grace keeps on counting. Imagine it's a boxing match. And in the ring, there's a Christian. She's fighting the devil. She's smacking the devil all over the ring. Bam, she's beating him up. 10,000 Christians in the audience. Come on, give him one for me. And she's beating him up. And then all of a sudden, she gets distracted. And the devil catches her one. And she goes down on the floor. She's out for count. The audience goes quiet. The referee starts the count. One, two, three, four, five. The devil's sneering at the crowd. The crowd are screaming, get up, Christian. You can't lose now. You can't, you've come so far. Come on, get up. They're screaming. The referee carries on the count. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the devil sneers at the crowd and says, hey, easy, next. And then a shudder of horror goes through his whole being as he hears the referee say, 11, 12, 13, 14, come on somebody, 15. The devil runs over to the referee who happens to be called Grace. And he says, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> and Grace says to the devil, oh yeah, to you. It's not fair, but I'm going to keep counting until my servant gets up off the floor because I will finish what I started in their life. Come on, somebody say amen right here. My God, I sense the anointing of God in this place right here. So to live a contented life, you have to have a revelation of his faithfulness, not yours. And do you know what will happen? When you, when you, in order to, to, to live like this, 
And, and, and the Lord really laid this on my heart as I bring this to a, some sort of close here. Some of you tonight need to surrender your desire to know why. Because this is where the rubber hits the road. I hear it in my spirit. You need to surrender your desire to know why. Jesus arrived there. My God, my God, why? And some of you are there tonight. Why? You know, there are times in our lives when it seems like God hides himself. And that's the time we get a little bit insecure. But this is the time to trust his faithfulness. The Bible says in Isaiah 45 verse 15, Surely you are a God who hides himself. He hid himself in Mary's womb so that the innkeeper missed an opportunity to serve the king of kings. He hid himself in an infant's cry that Herod had to kill a whole generation trying to find him. He hid himself for 30 years in a carpenter from Nazareth so well that even his own brothers and sisters didn't see him. He hid himself so well in the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. The Bible says that when he came to his own, his own didn't recognize him. He hid himself in the Ark of the Covenant and the garments of the high priests. Oh yeah, sometimes, but you know what? One of the greatest lessons I've learned is to endure an unplanned place of destiny when heaven is silent. And some of you are there. See, learning contentment. See, so I shared this with the men. Some of you may be in what I call an unplanned place of destiny. Like I shared this morning about uh, four years ago when I was here, I received divorce papers from uh, my ex-wife and I didn't plan that. It was an unplanned place of destiny. And so the cry goes up from my heart, why? Why is this happening to me? And some of you are here tonight and this cry is going up, why? You know, if you are going to walk in contentment and trust the faithfulness of God, you have to surrender your desire to know why. You may be in an unplanned place of destiny tonight. Some of you may be there out of your own choices. Some of you may be there because of the decisions of others. Some of you may be there tonight because of tragic circumstance or satanic attack. But I've learned that living with a contented heart means you surrender to a master plan that sometimes makes no sense. Abraham arrived there and said, why? Sacrifice my son. Joseph arrived there, said, why this injustice? David arrived there, said, why this delay? Paul arrived there, said, why this thorn? Jesus arrived there and said, why? This rejection. Listen to me, favor sometimes is not deliverance from the problem, but development through it. And very often, and I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but very often, 
How many of you want to be a vessel to be used by God? Give me a wave. I think everybody in the room. Do you realize that sometimes God will use what's going wrong for you to make it right for others? Have you ever wondered the bad stuff that you were going through right now, the stuff you don't understand? You said, Lord, use me. Lord, make me a blessing for other people. And sometimes God will allow you to go to an unplanned place of destiny where you are crying out, why? It seems like it's going bad for you, but God is actually using what's going bad for you to make it good for others. We are here because it seemed to go bad for Jesus. His disciples ran and said, it's over. It looks like it's... But with his stripes, we are healed. Come on, somebody. And very often, very often, God will use your wounds to be the blessing for other people. Man, I'm preaching myself very happy right here. Because some of you are going through some stuff. Listen, Joseph and his brothers, we know the story. We preach it. They sold him into slavery. I mean, he was in prison. He was accused of, of, of rape. Uh, he was forgotten. I mean, can you imagine Joseph? What is got 12 years. Of, of, of an unplanned place of destiny, 12 years. Why this injustice? Then we all know the story when his brothers came and he saw them and he was the prime minister. This always blows me away. And Joseph realized all that went bad for me in order to be good for you. My God, George. And this is what he said to his brothers. I know what I would have said. Oh, yes. When I would see them groveling right there. Who you? He says, don't be upset or angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Watch. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Give me a break. 12 years of living under a silent heaven, 12 years of rejection and betrayal and slander and imprisonment, bad for him, but good for his brothers. What seemed to be going wrong for me, guys, it makes sense now. It was all to make it good for you. Tonight, Many of you are going to surrender your desire to know why because you're going to trust in the faithfulness of God. Watch that all things work together for good. Come on to those that love God. Let me just finish with this. Have you received the word of God tonight? What? You know, every time I come here, George, every time I come here, it, like you guys seem to release the prophetic in me. It's like, you know, it's your fault I'm preaching like this. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so watch this. So for seven years, I traveled up and down the country, the UK and Ireland, singing and speaking to young people. Sometimes I would do 30 concerts a week. And, um, and I loved it. And so thousands of young people saved. So one morning I was going to school 
to, um, to, preach to, to sing and speak to a thousand young people. I had to leave early, so I put all my equipment on the car, in the car the night before. So I got up at 5.30 in the morning, got down to my car, and I saw there was glass all over the place. Uh, someone had broken into my car and stolen all my equipment. I was not in a good mood. Do you know what I'm saying? So I said, God, how could you allow this? Why didn't you send an angel and beat the guy up? I mean, do something. You know what I mean? Why did you allow this? Why? So I had to cancel the school. I rang the police and they had to come up to take all the details. The policeman come up the house, sat down in my house. I, I gave him the details. And for some reason, I said to him, I said, uh, do you like gospel music? He said, yeah. I said, well, I got some albums. I can't seem to sell them. So um, I'm going to give, <laughs> let me give, would, would you like one of my albums? And the policeman looked at me and says, I got all your albums. I said, you actually bought them? <laughs> I said, one of my albums, Boots the Chemist, are selling them for laxatives. That was a joke. So anyway, <laughs> so I said, what? You've got all my, he said, I recognized you as soon as I came in the house. He said, here's the thing. I shouldn't be on this shift. The guy that was, has gone sick, they called me to come and deal with this issue. So I am here. I shouldn't be here. And he said, I said, why are you telling me this? He said, Last night, he said, I'm a backslidden Christian. And last night, I threw myself on my bedroom floor. And I said, Jesus, if you still love me, please show me. So God allowed a flipping thief. <laughs> God allowed it to go bad for me in order for it to go good for him. That's why we can be content in all situations because of the faithfulness of God. And do you know what happened? I prayed with that policeman two years later. I'm preaching in the church like this. I make an appeal for salvation. People come forward and a young man looked up at me and says, Pastor Ray, you know, two years ago, your car was broken into. It was me. <laughs> I sold your equipment. And, he, and the thief gave his life to Jesus as well. Come on, man. Why are we worrying about stuff? Tonight, right here, right now, you are going to surrender your desire to know why. And you know what? There's the peace of God which passes and... Because God's got it. Whatever, some, some of you are going through stuff. Listen, I know you don't know why. But God could be using your circumstance to bless somebody else. I know it doesn't make sense. But what you're going to do tonight is stop asking why. Are you up for that tonight? Come on, the presence of God is all over this place. He is ready. He is ready to dispense incredible doses of peace and contentment. And some of you are even going to, instead of weeping, you're going to start laughing at your circumstance and think, well, okay, 
I trust in your faithfulness, oh God. Holy Spirit, right now, right across this room, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, because you've told me, you've promised me, every time I stand to preach your word, you will watch over it to perform it. And right now, it's like weights are being lifted off people's shoulders. It's like the lights are coming on. It's like even though they feel nothing and know nothing, there's a deep settled peace entering their heart right now. And they are going to leave it here. They are not going to spend one more second worrying about the situation. They're not going to spend one more second wondering why, but they're going to surrender they desire to know why, because they trust in your faithfulness. With every head bowed, every eye shut, the presence of God is so strong here. If that is you, if you say, Ray, tonight, and I'm going to mean it, this is not just an emotional appeal, just to make a nice service. No, this is real. Tonight, you're going to surrender your desire to know why and leave it here. If that is you, I, if that is you, could you raise your hand where you are right now, please? Wow. Okay, thank you. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Could we all stand? Could we all stand? Are you okay? Everybody okay here? Listen, those of you, I, look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm a contact guy. You're too far away from me. I want to walk around and those of you who raised your hand, would you allow me to pray with you for two minutes and help you with this thing? Could you leave your seat and stand here without any music playing? Come and start. If you raised your hand, I know some of you, these issues are major. I'm not uh, diminishing these issues uh, and it takes a lot of courage for you to come. Just come, come close as you can. We're going to do something. And God's going to do, you're going to sense something like you've never sensed before. Yeah, just come. Plenty of room. Come. We'll wait for you. It's brilliant. You know, very often, um, you know when Jesus wanted to do something supernatural, he asked the people to cooperate with him. Like, for instance, um, he put mud on a, on a blind man's eyes. Um, he put his finger in somebody's ear. And this is what I find helps, okay, for you to leave it here tonight, okay? I want you to put your right hand out like this in front of you. And just imagine it's just you and Jesus here, nobody else. I want you to close your eyes and, and the rest of us out there, just close your eyes and just pray with, with these people here. Now, I, for those of you holding your hand out, I want you to look into your hand. And what we're going to do by faith, okay, the gesture live by faith, we're going to put that junk in your hand and we're going to give it to Jesus in a moment okay now try and concentrate try and don't let the enemy mess with your head because you're surrendering your desire to know why put it in just put it in your hand I don't know what it is and some of the stuff is so personal yeah put him in there put her in there yeah, put that in there. Put it in. It's all going. 
The Holy Spirit is the greatest garbage collector on the planet. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your hand around that junk. And then we're going to, we're going to surrender it. And never again, never again, are you going to lie awake worrying about this thing. Because the peace of God is about to enter your life in a way that you've never experienced. Okay, close your hand around that junk. Ready? Lift it up. Lift your hand up. Now give it to Jesus. Open your hand. Raise your other hand and start to receive the peace of God. Wow. It's like a shower on the inside. Come on. Now just start to thank him. Come on. Come on. Say thank you, Jesus. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Come on, some people are actually smiling. It's the smile of contentment. Receive the peace that passes. Understanding. I speak joy. I speak life. I speak blessing. I speak peace into your troubled mind. Peace into your turmoiled heart. I speak love where there's been bitterness. I speak joy where there's been depression. Peace where there's been confusion. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that the chains of worry and fear and anxiety and depression are broken in the powerful name of Jesus. And I thank you that your peace that passes understanding will guard their heart and their mind in Jesus' name. And oh, how I love Jesus. Come on. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Sing it one more time. And oh, how I love Jesus.